black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? My week has been, it's been all right. I can't complain. Um, I did a little bit of bonding with my new office members. So if people follow me on social media, they'll see my little like work friends reel. (laughs) You know, work friends don't really know how you are outside of work and that's how we like it. But yeah, so, um, but yeah, my office is really cool. The people that are in my office are really cool. Um, Harrison is, I feel like he's just getting more and more adjusted to school. And I know I keep saying that because it's January, but he is. I mean, this is his first year of school. It's taken us a little bit to get sort of adjusted, but he's now consistently wanting to go to school. Um, this is the first week that his teacher hasn't said something about something he's done, whether him acting out or him not paying attention or, you know, him having to be corrected. (sighs) Y'all, these boys, you know, they don't tell us about these little boys, but this is the first time, the first week we have a three-year-old that's actually behaving and ready to go to school. So, so, uh, so things are going pretty darn well. I can't, yeah, I can't complain. I, I, I do think that it's strange that it's February, like the whole month of January just flew by. I mean, it was, I will say January was a really rough month for me. So I'm really looking forward to this month. Although it's the shortest month, it's Black History Month, but it's the shortest month. I'm looking forward to February and March and April and all the months after that because January was just rough. How's your week been, Johnny? Um, it's been pretty good. But before we get to my week, a couple of things. One, I remember when Kim said that you know, the school could be a little bit punitive with him. So I'm excited that this is the first week where they're not sending home anything saying that Harrison is doing something because, you know, in my mind, my little baby nephew Harrison is an angel and the school is, it needs to get itself together because that's what I've been thinking since Auntie Kim told us. So I'm glad that he's getting more adjusted. Well, I will say, you know, I'm not denying the child is not an angel. He's a He's an active three-year-old boy, which is climbing on everything and jumping down. But I was concerned about his communication because he's sort of shy around them and he's talkative around us. And so they were concerned that he may have an issue with speech delay. And so we try to tackle that head on and we have a conversation about that upcoming. And if he needs some speech therapy, we'll get him speech therapy now so that he can, you know, continue to learn and thrive and adjust going forward. We just want him to have, of course, the best education possible and the best head start we can possibly uh, give to him. But I remember what Kim Allen said, and if my baby don't adjust in here, I'm going to snatch him out and put him somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. But 
for now, we're going to go through the motions. I'm not going to act like a mom in denial. I'm going to, if they say he needs extra help in certain areas, which he's three, right? So it's not going to, it's not like he's having, he needs a math tutor at this point, but if he needs help in certain areas, I mean, we're going to get it. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he'll, he'll do well here at school and, and he continues to thrive, but you know, you never know with these cheering. If his two very well-educated doctor parents are any indication, I'm pretty sure that Harrison will do very well. Okay. So my week was actually pretty good. So I had a lot this week. Like I had a lot of meetings and events and things like that, but very productive. And um, I am being much more intentional about doing things for myself that are not work-related. So I went to a women's fellowship on Saturday and you know, we're still out here looking for a house, you know, Nicole, I think what I've been finding is that the places that are close to where I need to be are not necessarily places that I want to live. So I'm trying to figure this out, y'all. And it's not that I haven't seen anything I like. I've seen a lot of things that I like, but there's something that I would tweak with every single place. And at this point, I just got to stop being picky because I'm on option overload at this point and I just need to make a decision. So. Well, let me say this. Uh, whatever you do, lock in your interest rate right now because uh, the Fed is about to hike that rate again next week. So just, you know, keeping it real. I was listening. I was like, dang, they about to hike the rate again. Girl, we did lock an interest rate. So I got about 60 more days, y'all, to find a house, which is why I'm telling you, <laughs> telling you all, because I'm starting to feel the anxiety because we we are 60 days in and I got about 60 more days. So I need to, like, get this popping, right? But a side note, you know, aside from the home situation. So, Nicole, you remember when we talked about Honeypot changing their formula? Remember at the time, I believe that I said that I still had, you know, Honeypot from the old formula because what I would do is stock up on the Honeypot. Well, I've run out of the old formula and I had to go buy some new Honeypot and I got the new formula. Y'all, I know we did the podcast on it and I kind of believed y'all for what you were saying on, um, Twitter, but y'all, um, that new formula did not agree with Janine. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't try it. I'm saying that the new formula didn't agree with Janine. So Janine went back to old school, unscented soap because it works, right? In the meantime, I needed to find something else because y'all, bar soap is just not what it's hitting for. Y'all know this. It'd be melted in the shower, all that. Ain't nobody got time. So I saw a post from my nail tech friend. Shannon, who I think she's pick a color on social and shots by Shannon on social, but she posted this thing and it was called twat wash. So I messaged her and was like, Hey girl, does this work? How you feeling? You know, whatever. And she was like, I will give you one because I have an extra. So I was like, okay. So I tried it. Y'all it's all natural. It's super amazing. And it doesn't give you that Listerine feeling. Now y'all know what I mean. So y'all try this. I'll put all the information on our social media, but I love it and it's great and it's nice and soft and soothing and it doesn't feel like it's going to burn you. So I tried it. This is not an endorsement. They did not pay us. Listen, mild soap and water of any kind is what you need to be washing down there with. Now, Nicole sticks to tried and true. Summer's Eve brings back freshness anytime, okay? And I've told y'all that before. That's what agrees with me. I I like the fact that they now have a body wash. They also have the 
uh, individually wrapped cleansing wipes that I always tell my patients, carry some of those with you. Now, they also have the feminine hygiene spray. It doesn't make you tingle. It's just like spray deodorant, okay? Um, now, I am not a fan. As an OBGYN, I have to tell you, the vagina is self-cleansing. It does not need anything other than mild soap and water. If it doesn't agree with the rest of your skin, then please don't try it down there, okay? So try it on your regular skin first and then down there. If you have sensitive skin, you need to use sensitive soaps also down there. We need to actually have an episode on this because this is the second time we brought this up recently. So we need to have an episode on this, Johnny. I agree. We're not even going to lecture you all about this right now. We are going to have an episode about how to take care of your vagina because apparently there are a lot of women who don't know. So Janine, what's on our timeline this week? Okay, so Nicole, this story came out of my backyard in Baltimore. So y'all, let me make it very clear. I am not from Baltimore. I'm from PG. For y'all that live in the DMV, you know that PG is also in Maryland, but PG is part of the DMV, not part of Baltimore, but Baltimore is right up the road. So I just wanted to clarify because, you know, people get real testy about the lines between the DC Metro and Baltimore, but y'all, Baltimore is right up the road. So that's why I said in my backyard, but this story came across our timeline and I felt like this is something that's super important for us to talk about. It seems like I've been seeing these kinds of stories more and more in our timeline, and we see it more and more in the news. And it's something that really affects our community. So we're about to chat about it. So Tiffany France is a single mom of three, and she's doing everything that she can to make sure that she is raising her children the best way that she knows how. So Tiffany was prepared for her son, her oldest son, to graduate in June, but she found out a few months before that her 17-year-old, who she thought was set to graduate, was actually instead going to go back to ninth grade. So Tiffany's son attended Augusta Fell Savage Institute of Visual Arts, and that school is in Baltimore. It's in Baltimore proper. And in the last four years, her son has only passed three of his classes, which means that he's only earned 2.5 credits in the last three years, which places him in the ninth grade. In an interview that Tiffany um, did with Fox Baltimore, she said that he's stressed, meaning her son is stressed. And she also said that she too is stressed because the school has failed her son. See, Tiffany was unaware of just how bad her son was doing because even though he was failing most of his classes, he was still being passed on to the next grade. So again, he is now in his senior year, to put this into perspective, and he only has enough credits to make him a ninth grader and not even to have completed his ninth grade year, but make him a ninth grade student. So the only classes that he's passed were English one, which he passed with a D minus fundamental of arts, which he passed with a D plus and health ed, which he passed with a B. Tiffany's son failed algebra one, but was then passed on to algebra two the following semester. He failed English two, 
but then was passed on to English 3. Now, if we go back, remember I told you he passed English 1, but he passed English 1 with a D minus and then was passed on to English 2, which he failed, and then passed on to English 3. So Tiffany said that she assumed that if her son was passing on to the next grade, that he had the proper things that he needed to go from one grade to the next. She said that she just figured that he had the proper credits. And she stressed, again, that the school has failed her son. While she, the mother, was working to provide for him. Now, in her son's freshman, sophomore, and junior year, he failed 22 classes. He was also late or absent 272 times. Tiffany said, in all three years, only one teacher requested a parent-teacher conference with her, and she said that that conference never actually took place. She said no one from the school told her that her son was failing and wasn't going to class. Tiffany said that she doesn't know what she's going to do for her son. She asked herself why he would do three more years of school. She said that he didn't fail. The school failed him. She said that her son is now asking, what did he do all of this for? And she's asking what she should do for him. So the three classes that Tiffany's son passed earned him a grade point average, 0.13. So to give you an idea, that's 0.13. So while that's very alarming, I mean, it's extremely alarming to have a 0.13 GPA after three and a half years of high school, what's even more alarming is that that GPA earned him a class ranking of 62 out of 120 students, which means that over 50 of his classmates have either the same GPA or a lower GPA than he does. While clearly this is a much larger issue than Tiffany and her son, it left her... Tiffany, the mother, asking, where's the help and where are the mentors? So, Nicole, this is devastating, not only to the young man, but to his family, devastating to the school, the school system. But it's also devastating when you really think about it to the future of our black community. With all of the things that we focus on and all of the things that we protest for and all of the things that we vote to give funding to, it seems that we should be a little bit more focused on the funding and the resources that we put towards our children and their education. That's my thought. What do you think, Nicole? I was looking at her story and I was watching her talk and it really made me angry because I feel like, one, everybody failed this little boy. You know, everybody from the school to the mom to the village that was supposed to help the mom. Everybody failed this man, this little boy. And not just him, but if he's ranked 62 and there's 58 other people that are lower than him, we got a big problem. This school doesn't need to be open, right? The school obviously is not providing adequate education and training for the next generation of our youth. So they don't need to be open. If you have people that have a zero point anything GPA, even a one point 
zero you know anything i mean we're doing we're doing bad if they can't pass these standardized tests if that that means that i mean it's not that they can't learn is that they haven't yet demonstrated how to learn and what they've learned which means they're going to get into the real world and not know how to do for themselves so is it wrong that he's being asked to go back no, because if you if you haven't achieved more than a ninth grade education, then you should not advance past the ninth grade. Now, what I have an issue with the school for is if he failed the ninth grade, why let him go to the 10th grade? If he failed the 10th grade, why let him go to the... You cannot fail Algebra 1 and advance somebody to Algebra 2. That is a foundation for Algebra 2. So, of course, he's going to fail Algebra 2 if he failed Algebra 1. That's common sense. So why are they just pushing these people along into advancing courses knowing that they just failed the basics? So that's where the school failed. They just went through the motion and said, okay, you failed these, but now I'm going to move you on to the next thing. You just failed Spanish 1, but you're going to jump to Spanish 2. You failed uh, Algebra 1, but you're going to go to Algebra What? Like, that's the point. You have to pass that grade or you're repeating that grade. So I don't know what happened there which trotted him along three more years without holding him back. I have a problem with that, okay, because that's setting him up for failure. You know he failed one grade, and you're going to go ahead and push him to the to the next. So there is some, to me, legal, and I'm not an attorney, but there's some legal ramifications behind that in that you've just wasted three years of this boy's time as opposed to one year, right? And then there's a certain age where you can't be in public high school anymore and you have to go to alternative school. So if he's 17 right now and he has to start the ninth grade over, well, that means he's going to be, what, 21 when he actually graduates? I don't think that you can be over 20. So he's going to then have to either go to some alternative school or get a GED anyway, unless he works through the summer and can test out and accelerate through these next three years. But that is the legal piece that I don't agree with. Do I think you should be in ninth grade? Yeah. If you can't excel past ninth grade, that's where you should be. And you should stay there until you can excel past that. But having wasted three years when he could have just repeated that one year and then been able to advance is, uh, is, is where I'm like, why waste this man's time? Now, let me get on the mama because people are like, don't be coming to the mama so hard. Let's get on her, right? She's a single mom. She's working, you know, two, three jobs, and she has two other kids. It seems to me that she's not paying attention to her own child. Before y'all come for me, you know, know my background. You know, my mom was a single mom who had two kids who worked two, three jobs at a time who did not go to college herself. So I get it. Okay. I get having to work together to make ends meet. I worked in high school to make sure that some of our bills were paid in my house. Okay, so don't come for me because I know how these uh, these types of things work. And when I tell you my mom was still about that business, she was about it. How dare you not look at your own child's report card? You know that they at least have to get one at the end of each semester. Even if you're not looking at progress reports, you know that they need to at least get two a year. Why are you not looking at your child's report cards? at the end of each semester. If you're too busy, why? Okay. Why are you not using your off day to schedule up a meeting with your teacher? Why are you waiting for the teacher to come to you? Okay. Case in point, 
Harrison, the teacher was leaving these little notes. Oh, Harrison distracting the school. You know, what does that mean? Right? So what did I do? I emailed and reached out to the teacher and said, I've noticed that you've sent two notes over the past months about Harrison being distracted. What does that mean? Can we have a conversation about that? What kind of help can we get? And she said, I'm glad that we're having this conversation now. And I was thinking, well, why didn't you reach out to me first? Right? But my job is to make sure I'm watching my own child and I'm keeping up with my own child. She got 15 other kids she's keeping up with. Okay. So you have to, some of the onus for your child and the advancement of your child is on you. And if you see that your child is failing, it's on you, not the school system, to get your child a tutor. If you think it's the teacher that's not teaching your child, it's on you to pull your child out of that class and say, I want my child to have a different teacher. And I'm not saying that the teachers are wrong, but when you have a lot of students, you know, you want to make sure that that teacher knows I am paying attention. I'm watching my child. I want my child to succeed and not saying that if you intervene, your child's going to be a straight A student, right? Everybody has their learning issues. Not everybody is going to, you know, be a straight A or on the Dean's list. I'm not saying that, but at least they can learn in their own way and you can figure out what their shortcomings are to allow that teacher to cater to them or get them some help, extra help outside of school so they can at least advance to the next level. This situation is just sad. You you basically ignored your own child. I said it. Come for me if you want to. Come for me if you want to. Because the excuses she's making, I don't get it. Because I've been, I lived in that situation. I do not get it. Just because you are low income doesn't mean you don't care about your kids. But she is demonstrating that stereotype that she doesn't care. Because if you let your child go through three years failing, you don't care. And I said it. Yes. Yeah, so, Nicole, I agree with you. I'm not going to come for the mom as hard because she is working three jobs, right? And she does have two other kids. But here's here's the, some things that I noticed, right? And Nicole, you know me. I will sit and analyze a video. Couple things, girl. You had a full head of weave and a full set of nails. Even a quick weave takes some time, right? The time that you were sitting in the chair to get your nails done, to get your hair done. Now you might have just done this for TV, but again, all of this time could be spent towards giving some more attention to your child and your child's academics. What I'm saying is not that you should not be able to have a full head of weave or that you should not be able to have your nails done. I'm not saying that because self-care is important and giving things and allowing time for yourself is important. But also, I know that my mama, just like Nicole's mama, was making some serious sacrifices to make sure that we didn't turn out as the child that was the pass-through kid, right? Now, y'all know my mama and daddy are together now. But back then, my mama was basically raising me as a single mother. My mother was in the military. She had a good government job, but she did what it is that she needed to do to make sure that ends met and to make sure that she was at my school and that everything that was going on with me in reference to my school, my academics and everything else, my extracurricular activities, she was a part of. There were nights where she didn't get any sleep. There were days where she did not go to the hairdresser. There were days where she couldn't get her nails done. There were days where she didn't even see me because I was with my grandparents because my education was just that important for her. But let me be very clear with you. People make time for what is important to them. You have to be 
on top of your kids. Now, y'all, I'm not judging because I ain't got chicken nor child. I will say that. But I will say that from the examples that I had, I wasn't getting on a video game if my schoolwork wasn't done. I didn't come home and sit in front of a computer all day. Everything was, you have some free time, open a book, do a workbook. The spare time that I had to watch TV was probably about an hour, if that, because education was of the utmost importance in my household. And honestly, you all, you have the whole rest of your life to do all of the other stuff. It's no reason why you should have a child that is failing consistently for years and is still passed through. Now, am I saying that the school has, it has no culpability in this? Absolutely not. Because there's no way that 60-some students should be having failing grades out of the same class in the same school in the same school district. There's no way. That shows a systemic problem. We just have to take more time to be mindful. And the one thing that, that Tiffany asked in the interview was, where are the mentors? Where are the help? In her defense, yes, there should be some programs, some mentors, because there are single mothers, single fathers, single parents out there that are struggling to make ends meet and to watch their kids. But this is where you have to activate your village. This is where you have to team up with another single mom or another single dad and say, well, you all will do homework this night and we'll do homework this night because it takes a village. And we understand that there are socioeconomic factors that play into this. We get it. That's not what we're saying. We're saying activate your village, your good girlfriends, your good guy friends, the ones that don't have kids. Let me tell you, it's been a many a day where some of my friends who have kids and they're just frustrated because their kid, they, them and their kids are butting heads that call me and say, hey, can you do, do me a solid and try to explain this to my child? And I'm happy to do so. Activate your village. You don't have to take it all. The Tiffany or any other single parent, you don't have to take it all on yourself, but know that you need to activate your village and ask for help and don't wait for the school to do it because they're not. Where are the daddies? Is it one baby daddy? Is it three baby daddies? And I'm not judging, but what I'm saying is we're beating up the mom because the mom's on social media talking about where the mentors and where's this, where's that? Where are the fathers? And what role did this father play in this? And I'm not beating you up. You know, my father passed away when I was 10. So there was no father. And that, that may be the same situation that she's in right now. But if there is a father, where is he? And why is he also not looking at the report cards and showing some concern for his child's education? All right, Janine. So you ready to talk through some of these letters from our listeners? Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. All right. So the first letter says, Nicole and Janine, I listen to you ladies every week. Y'all are hilarious, but tell us the truth, which is what everyone needs to hear. Well, my 17-year-old daughter has been having issues at school with a boy she used to date. She was in a relationship with this boy who is a senior at her school for the last year. However, apparently, somewhere over the last few weeks, they broke up. She told me recently that since they broke up, this boy has basically been stalking her, following her home, calling the phone nonstop. He's even followed her to the bathroom where he beat my daughter. She reported it, but nothing was ever done to the boy. This wasn't the first time he's put his hands on her. He slapped her during gym class, 
between classes and even in public. I'm upset that the school has done nothing to protect my daughter. Now, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm tempted to sue the school system for allowing these events to keep happening. Ladies, if you were in this situation, how would you handle it? L'Oreal. I I would like to say this. There is not anything that the school could do to stop me if my child was getting beat. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's another child. I don't care if it's a girl. You're talking about suing. I would be up at that school every single day until someone paid attention to what I had to say. Because what's not going to happen is I'm not going to send my child to school for her to get beat up, whether it was male or female, for her to get beat up and sent home and I have to bandage her wounds and then turn around and have it happen again and again and the school act like they can't see. We all know that teen domestic violence situations are real. We all know that teen domestic violence situations oftentimes end in severe trauma and sometimes, unfortunately, death. So let's not downplay the situation. And I don't want to scare you. I think the lady's name is L'Oreal. I might be mistaken, but I don't want to scare you. But I do want you to understand the urgency of this, right? You can't wait for the school to do something because your child, your daughter's life could be on the line. And it, it sounds morbid and it sounds super scary, but you don't know. You just said that this boy is stalking your daughter. This is the kind of behavior that we see and it progresses and it progresses and it progresses and then things happen. If you all have not listened to the episode that we did about teen domestic violence, go back and listen to that episode because my real actual cousin went through a situation like this. It started off as, oh, it's, you know, it, it's just what we consider puppy love, right? And what it progressed to is my cousin and her daughter losing their life. So it's not cute. It's not acceptable. It's not something that we can just wait and see what's going to happen. This is urgent. You have to do something now. And if you have to go to school every day with your daughter or go to school and talk to the people at the school or email the entire world, you do that. I don't know whether your daughter goes to public school or private school. I would assume public school since you said the school district. If you feel the need to sue them, by all means, put the put the motions in place. But before we get to that part, you need to make sure that your child is safe. And if you need to pluck her out of that school and send her somewhere else, then you need to do that. But you can't wait for the school district to do something when your child's safety is in jeopardy right this moment. What do you think, Nicole? So I think that in this situation, with the mom just sitting around waiting for the school to do something to suspend him. If this man is stalking your child, he's already following her home and doing all this stuff in public. School is not the only place you have to be worried about. So I would go to the police. I would press charges. I'll file a report and tell them, hey, one, my child is being stalked. Okay, so I would have a report filed against for stalking. And then I would also file one for domestic abuse. I mean, he was in a relationship with her beating her, okay? Why have you not taken your child to go get a report filed? This is clearly domestic violence, and this is clearly stalking. So file a report. And then guess what? Once that report is filed, the school has no choice but to act. They have no choice but to keep him away from your daughter 
because now he can't be 50 feet away, right? Now we have a restraining order against him. So take legal action first and then report that legal action to the school so that the school can abide by those restrictions. That's what I would do first. Now, if you think that this is a very small school, because I don't know where you're frightened from, this is a very small school. If there's another school in the area that your child could go to, I will pull my child out and have my child go to the other school. But that is in addition to filing the police reports. Okay, the police reports, you gotta legally protect yourself first and then pull them out. Let's say it's a small town, a small school, like where I grew up in, Derrida. You may have to consider homeschooling your child that last year if there is not another alternative that is, you know, a public or a private school in that area. And that's to keep your child safe, right? We want our child to be able to excel and do well, you know, with their education, but you also want your child to live. And if this is escalating since they broke up, we don't know, you know, what leaps and bounds this man will go to to get to and attack your daughter. And sometimes these things can be deadly attacks. So I would do everything I could to protect my child. And if I didn't have an option that was safe, I would pull her out and do homeschooling. That's what I, I think. But you file the report makes the school have to act to keep this child away. Okay. And if he does do something on school grounds or she has proof, then that's proof that he can get suspended or, ex or expelled. But until those reports are filed, it's sort of like his word against hers and vice versa. So you have to legal action first. Hey, this is my restraining order. He has to be kept 50 feet. If not, he goes to jail, right? But if it's such a small school that you can't do those restrictions, then pull your child out. Pull your child out. It's only another year, unless she's a senior now. I don't know. Some, some people are 17 when they finish. But this could be her last year. But if it's her junior year and she has another year, then, you know, you may have to pull her out and homeschool her if there's no other alternative option. Here's the thing. We just take it that the school is taking care of it. And, you know, you didn't say exactly how long this abuse has been going on. But sometimes if you go have a conversation with the parents, it's just the kids acting out. Right. Because sometimes parents don't even know what their kids are doing because their kid is you know, you said that your daughter and this boy broke up. So he could just be going off of emotions, right? Because at that age, girls and boys, I'm not even going to put it all on the boys. We don't really know how to handle our emotions in high school. Everything is super dramatic. Everything is the end of the world. We, we've been there. We get that. So he might not just not know how to handle his emotions. And a conversation with his parents might help. Now, if you go to his parents and they're like, well, my son ain't doing that. Da, 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 da. If they're, if they're, if that's not the way to go, you will be able to tell very quickly. But that's another thing. Go see if you can have a conversation with this boy's parents and say, this is what's happening. This is what I'm seeing. Are you seeing some of the same things? I wouldn't go in an accusatory manner because it's automatically going to put the parents on defense, but maybe have a conversation with the parents and see you know, what's going on? Maybe he's going through something. Maybe something happened that you aren't aware of and he just happens to be taking it out on your daughter. So maybe there is a way to help this, you know, this situation without putting this poor boy in the system. However, safety first, safety first. So if you feel like your daughter's life is in danger, safety first. Conversations later, safety first. All right, Janine. So what does your letter read? 
My letter says, Nicole and Janine, your podcast is my favorite. You two give it to us straight every week, and that's exactly what we need. Please don't stop doing what you do. And then she put heart emoji. Okay, I'm writing you all because I want some real unbiased advice. I'm concerned that my brother is allowing my niece to be passed along and overlooked and I don't think she's prepared to go to high school. I'm going to tell you why I say this. My niece is currently in the eighth grade. While my niece is extremely outgoing and super talented, she struggles academically. She struggles with basic math, spelling, reading comprehension, and she even struggles with writing. But she excels in health, art, and science. My niece attends a school where they give grades, pass or fail, There are no actual letter grades, so I don't feel like my brother really has an idea of how far behind my niece is. To put this into perspective, my niece currently reads at a third grade reading level. I'm not sure why my brother is allowing my niece to be shuffled through the system because that's not how we were raised. Our mother and father always stressed education to us, and we both are college educated with a master's and a PhD, respectively. So this doesn't make sense to me. Ladies, my question is, how can I tell my brother that he should cut back on the father-daughter TikToks and focus more on the academics without driving a wedge between the two of us? Signed, Marie. And then there's a PS, and the PS says, my brother is an excellent father, and he has been raising my niece by himself since her mother passed away three years ago. I don't want to make him appear to be a negligent father. I just want to help. This is what I would tell Stacy, Girl, why are you TikToking when this baby can't read? I mean, I would just be as real as I'm... This is your brother. I mean, what do you mean drawing a wedge? Like, if you're concerned about your niece and this is your family, your skin and blood, your brother... There's no way I wouldn't just tell, say, hey, listen, I'm concerned because she's not really reading and she's in the eighth grade. She's going to fall behind. Let's talk about how I can help get her some resources. Okay. So I would not come from a, how dare you, you know, perspective, but I would come from a, hey, I'm concerned. You know, our niece is not really reading. She's not doing well in school. You're doing great showing her attention, but perhaps this is not the right type of attention we need to show her. What can we do to help her learn to read and for her to catch up on her at, to her grade level? I mean, because that's some, some real stuff. There's no way to tiptoe a sugarcoat the fact that somebody can't read. I mean, eighth grade reading at a third grade level? The newspaper is written for third graders. If that's, a, if that's the extent of her reading, we, we got a problem, Okay. So I would I would sit down and say, listen, I'm concerned. She's not really reading. You know, let's talk about what her grades are. Hey, maybe I can come over after work and help her read. Maybe we can read together. That'll give you a little bit of break. I can read with her, you know, every night or she can FaceTime me while she reads every night. That'll give you a break. That'll give us something to do. We just sit down for an hour, go through anything that she wants to talk about that's happened at school. And then. She can read aloud to me and I can help her. 
um, one-on-one. I mean, volunteer to help. That's the angle I would come from. Volunteer to help. Don't be the person pointing fingers and not being willing to put your coins towards helping him pay for a tutor or helping her yourself. And if you're coming from a place of love and you come from a place of, hey, I'm willing to invest my time, money, and energy into helping her, I don't think that anybody would get offended. Shoot, if you came to me and told me something was going on with Harrison, but you wanted to help, I would receive that, okay? So I think that people are are receptive when you come to them and suggest help and you're willing to help coordinate the help, okay? Or, or actually give it yourselves. So that's what I would say. The direct approach is the best approach. Yeah, Nicole, I think that that's a very great point. She said at the end of the letter, she just wants to help. So I feel like you're coming from a genuine place. So I feel like this is a great, like fertile ground for for you to have a conversation with your brother. But there are a couple of things that I want to point out about this. And I briefly mentioned this earlier, right? It sounds like it, the things that she is uh, thriving in, science, you said, health, art, they're very much focused on one side of the brain, right? Kind of. I, I'm saying this because it's not that she's just all out failing, right? Like if she's doing, if she can figure out how to navigate TikTok and she can figure out science and she can figure out art and she can figure out health, I think that that there's probably another issue here that we might not be focusing on, Right she may have a learning disability, right? So maybe you help figure out and get her some testing to figure out what's going on, right? And then the other thing that you put as a PS, but I think it's probably very important and probably impacting your niece more than you think, is you said that her mother passed away three years ago, right? So if she's in eighth grade and her mother passed away three years ago, that would put her probably about a fifth grade level, right? Now, if her mother had some illness, you didn't say how her mother passed away, but if her mother had some illness, it could probably have lasted maybe a year or two, right? So we don't know, did she stop the, the progress when things in life started happening to her, right? I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case because we don't have all of the information, but I don't think that it's, far-fetched to believe that something as traumatic at such a young age as losing your mother could affect the way that you are learning. Again, not saying that that's what the case is, but I'm saying that these are things that you might want to consider. She could have a learning disability. She could really be struggling with her mental health. I mean, mothers are a huge part of your life. And to lose a mother especially as a girl at such a young age, it could be extremely, extremely detrimental, especially if it's not addressed. You didn't say whether or not she's in therapy. So if she is, then great. If she's not, then maybe suggest that she get some therapy, right? And, and give your brother a little bit of grace, right? Your brother is trying to navigate being a single father of a little girl trying to navigate what it's like to raise a, a little girl without having the advice of her mother. I mean, your brother is trying to navigate life and doing the best that he can. So I don't want you to take the stance that your parents raised you all better than this because 
you don't know, you know, he's probably still grieving and he's still trying to navigate this. And it's hard enough being a parent, but it's even harder being a parent when you haven't done it before. And even harder when you're experiencing grief on top of all of that. So give him some grace. And I'm sure to Nicole's point that he will welcome the help because he might, you know, your brother might just need someone to ask him, is he okay? And give him a little bit of a break. And, you know, the, I, I think that it's cute that they do father-daughter TikToks because it's, it's showing me that he's still very much engaged with his daughter. But, like, maybe he does need the help. You, you are your brother's village. This is the time where you activate. And I don't think that you need to be worried about it driving a wedge between you and your brother if you come at it from a genuine place wanting to help your niece. I think that he'll understand. And I think that he would really appreciate it. I agree with all that. And, um, you know, counseling, if she hasn't gotten any counseling, hopefully she's gotten some counseling. But if she hasn't gotten any counseling, even if if we don't think that that's the motivating factor for her falling behind in school, I still think that'll be a good idea. I mean, I think that everybody needs counseling. When you lose your mama, you need counseling. You might even know you need counseling. You lose your wife unexpectedly, you need counseling too, okay? So your brother needs counseling. The, the little baby needs counseling. She's not a little baby. She's a teenager. She's a, she's a little woman. She needs counseling too, though. I mean, even if that's not the, not what's going on, because that can help her, you know, learn how to process those emotions, but also help her deal with, you know, how to communicate what she needs help with in school. Okay. Help her get more in tune with her needs and her emotions and how to express them. So, all right, Janine. So what did you learn new this week? Okay, Nicole. So I, I did some digging as to what I wanted to learn new because there was a lot of information that I came across in reference to this children being left behind. But I actually veered away from the children and went to a statistic. So according to the Gallup analysis of data of the U.S. Department of Education, so this is all across the United States, the Department of Education, Half of Americans between the ages of 16 and 74, so that's about 54%, a little over half, read below the equivalent of a sixth grade level. So about 54% of the United States can't even read at a sixth grade level. So it's not just the schools failing us, y'all. It's not just the schools. We are failing ourselves some too. That's about 54% of the United States cannot even read at a sixth grade. Y'all stop blaming it on the school. At this point, and I I think I've said this before, but if you know me personally, you know that I've said this a lot of times. In 2023, when we have internet at the tip of our fingers, ignorance is willful. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? What I learned was, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, and it says more than 50% of public school of the public school population in the U.S. is made up of low-income students now, as of 2022. And that is up from 38% in 2001. I don't know what happened over those 20 years, but I mean, we went up. I guess people started putting their kids in, in private schools. more. Now, this is relevant because low-income students tend to perform lower on standardized tests, okay? And if now 50% of your population of public too is low income, where the money going? So that means that schools have 
less funding for those additional resources like a speech therapist in their school or like tutors available for free in schools and things like that and like books and computers. And we wonder why these children are slipping by the wayside. But as a parent, even if you don't have those resources to be on your child to make sure they understand what's going on, it's still important with even with the limited resources that you have. But yeah, I thought that statistic was like, oh my God, 50% low income. All right, Janine, are you ready for the motivational moment? Yes, ma'am. All right. So it comes from Barbara Coloroso. And I don't know if you know who this woman is, but for 44 years, she has been writing and doing videos on like parenting. She wrote, your kids are worth it. Kids are great. Um, basically breaking down how to educate your, your kids and how to be an involved parent. But she's, I mean, some people like her philosophies and some people don't, but I definitely like these words. And this motivational moment is just a little bit long, so bear with me. And it says, encouraging a child means that one or more of the following critical life messages are coming through, either by word or by action. I believe in you. I trust you. I know you can handle this. You are listened to. You are cared for. You are very important to me. I agree wholeheartedly with all of those things that she says. So make sure your child understands this and keeps an open and honest line of communication with you so that you can know when they're in trouble so you can get them the help that they deserve. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.